From the Gray Homestead in the heart of the Ozarks, this is Front Porch Anarchast. We're spreading the ideas of freedom and liberty from the front porch one episode at a time. Front Porch Anarchast. Freedom starts on your own front porch. And this episode starts now. I heartily accept the motto that government is best which governs least. Carried out, it finally amounts to this, which also I believe, that government is best which governs not at all. And welcome to this surprise episode of Front Porch Anarchast. I really didn't think I'd have time to do another episode this year, but here we are. It's in 2020. It's the day before Thanksgiving, and here is another episode. And why didn't I think I would have time for another episode? Well, I'm a busy man. In addition to this silly little podcast that I do, I do have a full-time job. I have a long commute. I spend about an hour and a half, maybe longer, each day on the road. And I have a six-year-old son, a four-year-old daughter, and a seven-month-old daughter, which, (laughs) that takes a lot of my time. You wouldn't even think it would take that much of my time since their mother takes care of them most of the time. But, you know, we all live in the same house, so it's um, it's a struggle to get everything done. And then there are chores around the house that have to be done and meals that have to be made. And it's um, it's a struggle to get all this done. And on the side, I do make t-shirts and vinyl decals which also takes up a little bit of my time so i am a busy man and the um the decals and the t-shirts haven't been keeping me as busy i have expanded into face masks now i know that's a uh, controversial subject especially among the freedom-minded people but If you're like me and you find yourself having to wear a face mask, whether it's because your job makes you wear one or just because you want to reduce the risk of catching whatever disease, we can help you out with a customized face mask. So you can look over at our uh, Facebook page, Gray Uncommons. That's gray with an A, Uncommons. Just search for that on Facebook. It'll pop right up. You you can kind of get an idea of what we have as far as what we can do for you with face masks. And if you're interested in getting a very reduced price on a face masks a face mask with the the anarchy a in a circle i think you know what i'm talking about if you're if you're interested in getting a reduced price on that stick with me through the end here and at the end of the episode i'll be more than happy to tell you how you can get a uh, really good deal on one of those 
Like I said, it is the day before Thanksgiving, and this year retailers, or most retailers anyway, are going to be closed. It's going to be the first first Thanksgiving I've had off in a couple of years. A couple of years? A whole lot of years, I guess. And why are they closed? I'm not really sure why they're closed. Most retailers are going to be doing, they're still going to be ful fulfilling online orders. So behind the scenes, there's still a lot of work going on in these stores, and they're just not opening up to the public for some reason, which, uh, you know, I'll take it. I, I like being off on a so-called holiday. We don't really celebrate with any family. We live too far away from anyone to, to do that, and it just takes too much time. We'd, we'd spend more time on the road than we get to, to uh, spend with our family. Plus, I have to be back at work at, at 4.45 on the day after Thanksgiving on Black Friday, so I can't really do anything. I need to try to go to bed early on Thanksgiving night. So, But... You know, I'm sure that if you ask some of these, um, some of the people that are running these, it it's going to boil down to they're going to say something about COVID-19 or coronavirus or, or whatever. Is that really the reason? I'm, I'm not sure. 2020 has just been a really strange year in the retail, uh, in the retail world. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking, watching the news, I'm seeing that California's shutting down again. Illinois shutting down. Maryland. New York. These places, they're all shutting down. And I'm wondering how these people are going to pay their bills. It, it seems really... It seems, I guess it seems like a good idea to some of the, um, some of the political leaders in these in these states to tell people to stay home. One, uh, I don't remember which state he was in, but anyway, he was leaving. He told everybody that they shouldn't travel as he was getting on an airplane to travel to see his daughter. He was a governor, I guess, somewhere, or, yeah, he had to be a governor. That was just today, I believe. So he's getting on a plane and as he's getting on the plane, he's telling people not to travel. The uh, the governor of California, he was recently spotted, called out. They called him out for telling people that they can't gather and they need to stay home. And then here he gets busted at a restaurant with a bunch of people who were not in his family. And he issued some kind of half-assed apology for it. But what are these what are these little tyrants, these tiny tyrants? What are they thinking? They can just they can tell the little guy what to do, but they're too important to stay home, right? The uh, governor of New York last couple of days he's been calling this this sheriff. It was the sheriff of Fulton County. I would I would butcher his last name, so I'm not even going to try, but I mean you can look it up. In fact, I think I'll just I think I'll play maybe 
a little bit of the interview that I that I heard recently. That's how I I know for sure that he that this sheriff has or that the uh, governor has a beef with this sheriff. But maybe I'll play a little bit of the interview. We also have somebody who's taking a beating from everybody's favorite governor, Cuomo. Uh, it says he's not going to do it. And Cuomo came out and said he's arrogant and out of control. He said he won't enforce Cuomo's Thanksgiving limit. His name is Richard G. Giardino. He is the sheriff of Fulton County, New York. Richard, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to be on, Glenn. I listen to you frequently. What I appreciate is most most shows only give you two or three minutes, and you really can't have an in-depth constitutional discussion. And you allowing me to do that, I think, is a a big service uh, service to the community. Well, you just ate 30 seconds of your two minutes. (laughs) I'm not kidding. (laughs) So tell me, because this is really important to me. I don't think people understand that sheriffs do not answer to the governor. They don't answer to any agency. Uh, you don't answer to the president. You answer to the Constitution and the people, correct? Correct. The governor is the only one who can remove a sheriff or the voters at an election. And the governor can only do it if there's a crime or if there's malfeasance in office. But we both take an oath to the Constitution. So I'm not against the governor. I'm for the Constitution, Glenn. Correct. Correct. So tell me about his his uh, Thanksgiving limit and what's happening in New York and why you're standing against it. Well, first of all, it's through an executive order. And our legislature abdicated their responsibility months ago when they turned everything over to the governor. And that allows him to issue edicts or what we call executive orders. I have to explain what he can do by the Constitution first. He can issue an executive order saying you have to have a face mask on at a store or a restaurant or bar. You can have to close at 10 o'clock. The table's got to be this or that. That's perfectly constitutional because he controls all the administrative agencies, state liquor authority and the uh, health department. So that's, that's fine. That's why you can't take issue with him saying close your store at this time, keep people apart. But when he tells people what they can and can't do in the privacy of their own home, there's a heightened constitutional balancing act. And and I have my obligations to the Constitution, and there's no way to enforce this. It's not like, he keeps saying it's a law, but a law has a penalty. So like if, if you're in a bar and you stay open past 10, they can fine you. Or they can find you if your waitresses aren't wearing masks. There's no penalty for an executive order about how many people you invite to your home for Thanksgiving. And isn't an executive order, a law goes through the legislature and the governor signs it. That's how, I mean, I just know because I was a bill on Capitol Hill when I was a kid. And that's the way it works. It becomes a law once it goes through the proper channels. So how, how do executive orders work when they, when they want to enforce them? Well, here's, again, you're 100% right, and most of us from second or third grade were taught the legislature passes the bill, the governor either signs or vetoes the bill. If he signs it, it's a law. Mm-hmm. Basic common constitutional law. How he can exercise an executive order is he controls the state liquor authority and say the the health department, right? You get a license as a business 
from the health department, you got to comply with the restaurant rules, and from the state liquor authority for a bar. So there's sanctions, and they can have administrative action against you. So they can close a bar and fine you because you have a license from the state. You don't need a license to live in your house. You know what I mean? So when you get to the executive yeah. order that goes into somebody's home, then you run into a problem. So I don't want to get too deep into the 4th, 5th, and 14th Amendment, but I can tell you this. I've been contacted from around this country and around my own state saying, thank you for standing up, thank you for speaking up. And I'll tell you, a lot of sheriffs and law enforcement said, look, we can't execute the executive order. But the reason they give properly so is we just don't have the manpower, there's no there's no sanction attached, and we're not going to go to somebody's house. It's really not practical. And the fact that he ordered it is what put a lot of people's back up uh, in the air, you know, got their spine out of line. So, can I, you're just such an amazing guy. Can I, can, can you just fill in some blanks and, and just, you went to uh, law school, right? So you, you graduated, you were an attorney, right? Well, I went to law school and Andrew Cuomo was two years ahead of me at the same law school. He probably doesn't know wow. who I was, so but he had a reputation right. even in the law school of being a hard charger, especially on the basketball court, which he's carried throughout his career. Yeah. So he he doesn't know right. me. I was some just a little piddly sheriff. But I went to law school, graduated with the Nassau County DA's office. Then I became a district attorney in upstate New York, uh -huh. Uh -huh. and then a county court judge. Uh, a county court judge. Wait, can you not hold down a job or? How did you get to – I mean, you accomplished more in your first 35 years of life than most people uh, do in a lifetime. It's called a severe case of attention deficit disorder. But I will note that both me and the governor have you – know, he's held three jobs, the secretary of HUD, and he's been the attorney general and, and the governor. I mean, he's got a great career path, and I've had three jobs. Mine have all been on the local level, but I'm, I'm very pleased where I live and work. I've, people have been 100 percent – not 100 percent. Most people have been supportive of what I'm doing for them as a sheriff and as, as a judge and DA in the past. I just want to just just throw these things out. You were an instructor of trial tactics at Albany Law School. You uh, have been on the board of the Chamber of Commerce. You've been a firefighter for 22 years, and now you're also sheriff. I mean, it's it's an impressive resume. Tell me about the mood of the community in New York, where you are in Fulton County. Well, the, the mood in Fulton County is they kind of agree with my statement that they're adults. They've listened for eight months about the precautions. Most people are taking precautions. We're a very low infection rate county in the state. The last I checked, we were 1.3%, which is very low. People take it serious here. They have loved ones. Uh, my mother's in a nursing home, so I didn't get to see her for six months except through a window. Um, we, the, we had 28 deaths in our county, and we have 55,000 people, but the 28 deaths were mostly um, as a result of COVID in, in a private nursing home that had visiting nurses from New York City. And I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying that we've our, our numbers come from a nursing home. Um, you know, the only thing you forgot, and it's not on my resume, and Bill O'Reilly and I sat together at a judge's dinner, and I gave him a ride to the airport. He probably wouldn't remember me, but it was in Albany County <laughs> it was 20 years ago. So next time he's on, tell him the crazy, I will crazy tell him. judge at the time says hi. Yeah. Okay, I will. Um, the uh, 
the, the problem that we have in America, I think, is that people who are in authority are just shutting everybody down and not allowing even questions, honest questions to be asked. It's just that's the way it is. And you're stupid or you're, uh, you know, you're a rebel or you just want everybody to die. And I think that's what's causing a lot of the angst in America. I think a lot of people are exactly how you describe them. They, they don't want to kill people. They, they are reasonable. They can handle themselves. Just treat me like an adult, not like a seven-year-old. Two comments on that. Most of the people who've, and I've been contacted from throughout this country. It's amazing what a great country you have. I've been, I had a message from one woman who said she hopes that I understand that the blood of all those who die in Fulton County after Thanksgiving is on my hands. And when I go to the emergency room with COVID, she hopes the nurses are busy working on the other people I tried to kill and that I die a horrible death. Kind of nice lady, obviously. So, and and she left a message, but I've also had so many strong Americans say, thank you, thank you, common sense, speaking up. And listen, no one doubts the deadliness of COVID. We know there's the high-risk people, the elderly, my mom's in a nursing home, 90 years old. She's at high risk. Those with diabetes, I have diabetes. Those who are overweight, you know, we know the high-risk categories. We know that wearing masks, social distancing, disinfecting, we know that that reduces deaths and things. But Dr. Fauci's told us from since March that we're going to have a, a rise in cases in the fall and the winter. It's inevitably going to happen. He said it over and over. It's going to spike because of several factors. We're inside. There's, you know, the, the, the viralness of it is, is growing. So, so he's already told us that. So whether I tell people, enjoy your Thanksgiving dinner, you know, or they don't need the anxiety of wondering if the police are yeah. going to come to the house. And that's the common theme of this. It's like, and, and you and I are both constitutionalists, but one thing, a lady put it to me this yesterday. She says, you know what? Would you stop talking like a lawyer and a judge? She says, you keep talking about Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, Fourteenth Amendment. People don't understand or need to know that. And and you know what I realized? <laughs> She's right. You know, the people who call me, listen, the people who call me say, hey, I don't know what, I don't know what section of the Bill of Rights it is, but there's just something inherently wrong with coming into my house and counting heads on who's eating turkey. And on on a side note, along with that, they say to me that, how can he do this? What's the fine? How it started was a week and a half ago, a man came up to me at a local, at Stewart's, a local shop, and said, hey, you know, my wife and I are arguing about going to our son's house. Well, there's 14 people going, we don't want to get a ticket or a fine. And, and so that just set me off, you know, and I said, sir, it was a veteran. Yeah. I said, you served our country. You should be able to have Thanksgiving with your family. And I just said, but if you guys are not well and it's risky, don't go. But I got to tell you another funny story. And this one I think is probably the real quick, funny. real quick. quick. I'll make it quick. Okay. Lady says to me, All what right. would your father think of doing this? You know, bucking the governor. I said, my father was a pediatrician for 50 years. He would say, why don't you go to Matilda Cuomo, sit down with Andrew, stop being a, a knucklehead, stop being a Sicilian, you're both Sicilians, have a nice spaghetti dinner, and decide how you can both work together to better this country and save more people in a constitutional framework. That's what my dad would say. Yeah, yeah that's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> Richard Giardino, <laughs> uh, thank, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. And thanks for thank being you, a sheriff that understands and protects the Constitution. So here's the sheriff, and he's talking about the constitutionality of the governor's mandate that 
people can't gather for Thanksgiving. What what was it like? Ten people? You can have ten people, but any more than that, they're going to shut you down. Or six people, whatever it is. Uh, I'm not really sure, but so this sheriff is saying he's not going to enforce this because it's not constitutional. But what did? That sounds great, and he's not going to get any pushback from anybody except from the governor who's calling him a dictator. So the governor who issued a mandate that says you can only have a certain number of people at your house for Thanksgiving, he's calling the sheriff a dictator because the, because the sheriff won't enforce the mandate. Does he? Does this governor, this Cuomo guy, does he even know what a dictator is? I mean, because I'm pretty sure if he opens up the dictionary, he's going to see his own his own face there. He's the one that's issuing these uh, dictator-like mandates. But anyway, so the sheriff, he's probably not going to get any pushback for not enforcing it. But what what else is he enforcing that? That is unconstitutional. And not only that, but what does it mean that for something to be constitutional or unconstitutional? The Constitution is just words written on paper. And it starts out with a flawed premise anyway that that government that it has the consent of the people that it's governing. I mean, that's a flawed premise from the very get-go. So why are we even talking about constitutional or unconstitutional? If one person or 13 people or 24 people can write some words on a piece of paper and and those words are all of a sudden a law, then why can't the governor of New York, why can't he write some words on a piece of paper and now they're the law? What I don't understand what the difference is here. So is there a difference? Am I just, am I wrong about this? If I am, please, uh, somebody call me out on that. Tell me why I'm wrong. You know, I'd really like to sit down with this, um, with this sheriff and just, you know, and, and pick his brain about that. What, what gives him the power to enforce laws in the first place? And I'm not talking about, you know, what gives him the power to stop someone from murdering or, if someone is murdered, you know, what would give what would stop him from apprehending that person? Because I, I really think that deep down, all of us have should have that ability. Now, government will tell you otherwise. Government won't let me go and apprehend a murderer. If, if I see a murder happening, they you know government's fine. You know, hold the person down until we get there, and then we'll arrest them and put them on trial. But government won't let me just like do my own investigation, go find a murderer and arrest him and then hold a trial. They um they claim a monopoly on that. They you know, they won't let if someone steals from you, they won't let you conduct your own investigation or or just hire some, you know, some guy on the street to conduct this investigation and um track down your stolen items and go into a person's house and reclaim those and and get some restitution out of that person. They make you go through their process, their system so that they can so that they have the power. They've they've claimed that power. And that's what I would like to talk to that sheriff about. What gives you that right, man? If if I see somebody that is um, 
you know, sticking a needle in their arm. I'm, for starters, I, I mean, that's their business, right? They want to do that crap to themselves. That's fine. But, but let's just say I had a problem with it. I can't go and slap some handcuffs on them and then go throw them in my smokehouse, put a padlock there and feed them three times a day, right? I can't do that. So where does the sheriff get the power to do this? I, I don't have the power, so I can't give him that power. You don't have the power, so you can't give it to him. Where does he get it in the first place? It's just an assumption of power. And and that's what I would really I'd really like to talk to somebody about that. If you have if you have an opinion on it, please get in touch with me. There has to be half a dozen ways at least you can reach me. Front porch at gmail.com. You can send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash frontporchanarchist. There's the Facebook page, Front Porch Anarchist. And you can find me over on MeWe. I'm spending more time over there. It's turning out to, um, it's really picking up over there. In fact, it's picking up so much that I have quite a few uh, quite a few new listeners to Front Porch Anarchist. And I should probably say something about the show if you haven't if you have if this is the first episode that you've listened to. It's a silly little podcast. I don't really have guests. It's just me talking about my take on on freedom and liberty and I had a I had a real life friend he messaged me the other day, said that he had listened to the podcast, and he was wondering why I get so worked up about it. He said that he just kind of goes with the flow. But, you know, the older I get, I'm not quite 50 yet, but the older I get, the more I just want to be left alone. And the more I look around, the more I see that I'm not left alone. Government has encroached on just about every part of my life. I have an almost laughable job, and government has crept even into that. I mean, just weird, weird little laws. Like, I can't work for more than one person doing what I'm doing now, more than one business. There's laws against that. In, like, 50 states, there's a law against doing what I do for multiple employers, which to me just sounds really strange. But when you look at employment laws in different in different states, you see that they have all sorts of licensing regulations. And my job, I don't, I'm not even licensed. I'm regulated, evidently, but I'm not I'm not licensed. But they have these license review boards, and they have people that get together from these industries and decide what kind of qualifications a person has to have to work in these fields. So, like you take a private in- investigator, for instance. In most places, the private investigator, the person who wants to become a private investigator, has to work for another private investigator for at least a year, like 2,000 hours, which I think works out to be a year. So imagine that. Before you can even get a job as a private investigator, you have to work for another private investigator for 2,000 hours. Now, this holds true in a couple of different states. I've lived in like six different states, and each time I've looked at that law, how does that become a law? Well, 
it's because there is a licensing board for private investigators in most of these states that I've lived in. And they get together and and they set the uh, criteria for what a person has to have before they can be a private investigator. Talk about having power. I mean, just think about it. If you could limit the competition that you have, you're, you're protecting your business. So if you don't want competition, what better way to do that than say, hey, you have to work for me for 2,000 hours before you can do what I do. And then when you say, okay, well, I'll do that. Well, I'm not hiring. There's a, you know, there's a problem with that. And then you look at all the other licensing boards that they have. And in one state, was it Arkansas, maybe? There's a There's a licensing review board for the licensing boards. I mean, there are so many layers of government in our lives that that sometimes we don't even realize how many there are. Literally, government tells you where you can poop. Now, isn't that, I mean, that's just like a basic, a basic bodily function. And there's government telling you when you can do this, where you can do it, how you have to dispose of it. So when people ask me why I get so worked up about it, these are the these are the kind of things that I would like to tell them about. You know what I normally do? I normally just shrug it off because if somebody's asking me that question, they're not going to understand. But I'm hoping that the people who listen to Front Porch Anarchast, I hope you guys get it. Or at least maybe you're searching for a little bit of um, practical anarchy, which is what I like to believe that I practice. And on the podcast, that's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear about my practical anarchy. You're not going to hear me talking about old dead guys who who had um, their their own philosophies about anarchy, and you know, in a lot of a lot of circles, a lot of podcasts, a lot of um, YouTube videos, books social media conversations, you're going to run into people who, oh, well, you haven't read so-and-so, or you need to read this, or clearly you haven't read that. You know what? None of that really appeals to me, because those are old dead guys. They all had their... There was a society that they lived in. The times that they lived in were much different than the ones now, and you know, I'm not really worried about what did work then or what didn't work then. I'm worried about right now. How do I stay out of jail and still do what I want to do? You know, it, it's it's important to me now. If I get hit by a bus tomorrow or have a heart attack or something, I want my kids to at least enjoy the level of freedom that I have right now. And, you know, every year there's there's a different set of lawmakers, politicians that, that are elected and each one of these guys have to they have to come up with their own make their own mark on the world so they're coming up with new and sillier rules every year what's it going to be like in 30 years in 40 years when my kids are my age now how many more laws can can possibly be written and what do those what laws do 
what problems do those laws address? Killing people's wrong, stealing from people's wrong, and physically hurting people is wrong. We can pretty much all agree on that. So why are they why are there all of these other laws to address those issues? To me it's just mind-boggling. And every year the voters they beg for more. Which again, I I find that just amazing that people vote for more of the same. They expect different results. I guess some people don't. I guess some people expect the same results. There's people right now that they're just all excited that this one old guy was elected president. He's excited about it. He's already came up with his office of the president-elect. And I watched, I don't even know why I did it, but it popped up on YouTube that there was some kind, he was doing some kind of a press conference and talking about the people that he's nominated or that he's hired or whatever to be his staff. It was on YouTube. I just hit play and put it on the TV while I was weeding out and designing some uh, some mask designs. May God protect our troops. Now I turn this over, this new team, starting with our next Secretary of State, Tony Blinken. Get my mask here, Tony, so I don't get in trouble. Good afternoon, Mr. President-elect, Vice President-elect Harris, thank you for your trust and your confidence. If confirmed by the United States Senate, I will do everything I can to earn it. Mr. President-elect, working for you, having you as a mentor and friend has been the greatest privilege of my professional life. Good afternoon, Mr. President-elect, Madam Vice President-elect. Thank you for placing your trust in me to lead the Department of Homeland Security. Thank you for the privilege of returning with the consent of the Senate to government service as a member of your administration. It is the honor of a lifetime to carry your vision for our country forward. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. President-elect. Madam Vice President-elect, I am grateful and even more so humbled by the trust that you placed in me for this role. I'm especially honored to be standing not only by your side, but also alongside some of the most talented and inspiring public servants this country has ever seen. I know, Mr. President-elect and Madam Vice President-elect, that you've selected us not to serve you, but to serve on behalf of the American people to help advance our security, our prosperity, our values, that the call to service in this role is what makes this nomination such a tremendous honor. Good afternoon, Mr. President-elect, Madam Vice President-elect. I'm humbled and honored by the trust that you have placed in me to become a member of your cabinet as ambassador to the United Nations. Mr. President-elect, Madam Vice President-elect, thank you. Mr. President-elect, I am honored and humbled by the immense responsibility that you placed in me of being your national security advisor. Mr. President-elect, Vice President-elect Harris, thank you, uh, Mr. President-elect, for your generous words. And most of all, thank you for the trust and the responsibility of this appointment. 
I will do all in my power to live up to your expectations and uh, to this moment for our country and for the world. It was scary. I, I'm not a, I'm not a church guy. I don't go to church. I'd probably burst into flame if I stepped in the doors of a church. And anyway, the, the press conference reminded me of a religious ceremony. I mean, it was cultish. That's what I told my family. I was like, this is like some cult. They're, I mean, it was it was pretty scary. And they were all standing there with their masks on. And they were all standing at least six feet apart in a, in a semicircle around this guy, extending behind him. And when it was their turn to go up and speak about how grateful they were to this man for giving them this job, they would... Uh, they would approach the podium and take off their mask and then they would speak and then then they would put their mask back on and step back into their spot in the semicircle. And let me tell you, it, it was scary. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Uh, it was... I, I can't even imagine it. It made me feel dirty just watching it. And I'm, I'm not even joking about that. It, it was just... It was the strangest thing I've ever seen. And I can't... You know... When the last guy, the last guy at least, you know, I kind of get that. He just was a bully or is a bully. And, you know, he just comes out and tells you the way it's going to be. And, you know, people ask him stupid questions and he would give them stupid answers. And sometimes they'd ask him intelligent questions. He'd still give them stupid answers. Did the la did the guy before him, did that uh, Obama guy, did... Did he do this cultish thing about the office of the vice president and bringing all these people together and have them suck up to him before they, you know, before he started the being president? I I honestly don't remember. I never really paid that much attention to it back then. I don't know. You tell me. You know, what do you think about this guy? Is is he going to be any different? To me, it's the, you know, the new boss is the same as the old boss, and it's going to be the same with the next boss that comes along if we make it that far. I think this guy is probably going to spend four years undoing a lot of the stuff that, that, that the previous guy did, and then he's probably going to um, to put a bunch of his own laws in place and or edicts or orders or mandates or whatever he wants to call it. I'm pretty sure he's going to try to figure out a way to make everybody wear a mask, which, you know, you would think that I would be happy about that because maybe I'll sell some more masks, right? But no, I don't want to tell you that you have to wear a mask. You shouldn't have to if you don't want to. Now, there's going to be some some private businesses that aren't going to want you to show up in their store without a mask on. Most of them will tell you you have to wear a mask, but then they're going to back off of that because really, who in retail wants to argue with a, with somebody over wearing a mask? People have been getting killed for that. Defenseless over a mask. Over a mask. I don't understand it. All new at 11, heartbroken family and friends coming together tonight to mourn the loss of a Flint security guard who they say was just doing his job. 
And speaking of masks, at the beginning of the episode, I said that I would give you a way to get a customized mask, a mask with the with the Anarchy A with a circle around it at a greatly reduced price. And so here's what I'll do for you. If you will share this episode of Front Porch Anarchist on your timeline, then I will send you a mask for $3. And that's half of the price that we normally get for one of these masks. If you're interested in that, share this episode. It's pretty easy to do. You just go to the Facebook page, Front Porch Anarchist. Scroll down until you find this episode, which is episode 44, and it's the Thanksgiving special. Scroll down that. It should be right at the very top of the page anyway, and hit the share button, and then send me a message through Front Porch Anarchist at Facebook, and just let me know that you did it, and let me know where you want me to send the mask. Now, I'm only going to send these to people who are in the continental U.S., and the offer is good until January 1st, 2021. If you're willing to share the episode, I'll help you out with a uh, with a mask for $3. And let's face it, somebody in your life needs to learn a little more about anarchy and, and freedom. And, and maybe just getting them thinking a little bit more about, about how ridiculous the whole process is. That, that this group of people have assumed power. They've just assumed it. It's it, it's written on paper. That's how they're in power. Is that it's written on paper, and from then on, it was just a. Um, it's just been a tradition. It's just the way it is. Most of the time, when you talk to somebody, even the voters, you know, they're just like, "Well, it's just the way it is." Well, why is it just the way it is? I guess that's that's one of my problems. I've always been a person to question why things are the way that they are. I wasn't always this way about government. I was a, I was a full-fledged statist when I was in my early twenties. You know, people should be shot for stealing, and you know, follow the law, obey the law. The older I get, though, I'm just, I'm like, what is the law, and why is it the law, and why is everyone willing to go along with it? Since this is Thanksgiving, I guess I should. I guess I should talk about what I am thankful for. I have a lot to be thankful for, actually. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, and I like I like to think that I've grown from those mistakes and tried to set some things right. And you know, hopefully, hopefully, I continue to grow. But I'm gonna have to say that the the thing I'm most thankful for is my family. Even though I've even though I've made these mis- made some mistakes and and I'm not the most motivated person. Some people would probably call me lazy. You know, they still stick with me. They uh, they help me out. Everyone's always looking out for me. 6 years ago, a little over 6 years ago, we decided to um to jump into the parenthood game and boy has that been a has that been a roller coaster it's hard to believe that it's been 6 years sometimes it's hard to believe that it's been 6 years and then sometimes it seems like it's been forever it seems like these kids have been with us forever like 
now when I think back about places we lived and things we've done, it seems like it's almost like I can, I just automatically picture that the kids are there. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's just hard to imagine life without them and being able to um, to watch them grow up. And I get to spend a lot of time with them. Now, not nearly as much as uh, as their mother since she's at home with them all day. But it's um, it's really something to to get to see these and to see these kids. And you know, we we live mostly like we want to. We live on a couple of acres out in the country. You know, I, I couldn't. I can't think of anything that would make our life any better. I mean, oh yeah, it would be great if we had more money, or I didn't have to work, so that I could stay here all the time. But you know, I really can't complain about that. So, if I had the, if I had to say what I was thankful for, it's definitely my family. I'd also like to say that I'm I'm thankful for the people who listen to Front Porch and our cast. You know, I hope you guys get something out of this. I would do this even if nobody was listening. Even if I knew for a fact that nobody was listening to this, I would do it because one day I want my kids to be able to go back and listen to these and and maybe get an idea of what their uh, what their father was all about. Who knows? Anyway, I do appreciate you guys listening. I guess uh, I guess that's it. Happy Thanksgiving. If you're going to do Black Friday, if you're going to hit the Black Friday sales, please be nice. Be nice to the people that that are standing in line with you. Be nice to the people who are who are doing their best to make a very chaotic situation as painless as possible for you. Thank you for listening. Good night. enjoyed this broadcast of the Front Porch Anarchast. Like and share our page or send us a message at Front Porch Anarchast on Facebook. Front Porch Anacast.